It doesn't matter if you love crafts, blackjack, machines, or dining on the finest Asian, American, and Salish cuisines. It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. Muckleshoot. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. An easy drive from wherever you are. All roads lead to Muckleshoot. Welcome to Horse Racing Northwest, a post-Emerald Down season edition of Horse Racing Northwest. Joe Withy and Vince Brune here at Emerald Downs. Thanks for joining us. We'll be talking a lot of Washington stuff and uh, not too far away from the Breeders' Cup. In fact, it's the 40th running of the Breeders' Cup, Vince, and uh, I think everybody in any Buddy interested in thoroughbred racing back in the 80s when they heard the concept to begin in 1984 were pretty excited. November 10th, 1984 at Hollywood Park. Yeah, it. Uh, of course, we didn't have simulcasting in them those days, and I had another job, but I was, I think I'd just gotten a VCR or something, but I was looking forward to racing home and watching it that night, and it lived up to it, everything and more right off the bat. Yeah, that's... Uh, of course, before simulcasting in the Long Acres era, um, I remember going to a party and we were doing little bets almost every race on the Breeders' Cup. And I went the next year in New York, 1985, Fire Sweeper ran in that for Jerry Paxton. Had the lead under Bill Shoemaker at the just before the top of the stretch and faded there against some really good horses. But uh, and then in, and you've uh, worked so many of them. I worked a bunch of them as Breeders' Cup newsfeed. Just just great history. And then in 86, it went to Santa Anita uh, for the first time. And in 2023, Sandy, this will be the 11th time yeah. Santa Anita's most, hosted the Breeders' Cup. Yeah. Most of any track. Most of any track. It's November 3rd and 4th, Friday and Saturday this year, November 3rd and 4th. We'll have a our next podcast will be that week either the Wednesday or Thursday of Breeders' Cup week. John White will be joining us. We'll hear from Anthony Stabil. Bill Downs, our track announcer, will be joining us as well on the Breeders' Cup podcast, Horse Racing Northwest. So, yeah, looking forward to this year's Breeders' Cup. We have a little contest here at Emerald Downs. Uh, shoot, it started back in the 90s. Um, we just draft horses from the traditional eight races, and the other six races can get involved as uh, secondary picks that could get you some points as well. And just kind of looking over who might be some of the big favorites this year. Uh, Idiomatic in the Philly and Mare, or the Distaff. She's just beaten Nest real soundly in the last two races. Yeah, that they, was impressive last weekend. She'll yeah. be a short price. Yeah. Uh, one of our guests today, uh, Mark Glatt, mm-hmm. um, Washington uh, lad. Uh He'll have a horse that's got to get a pretty good look in the sprint, I would think. Dr. Scheibel in the sprint, of course, is one of the original seven races. Yeah, he up. just won at Santa Anita and was beaten like a nose a couple of years ago in the Breeders' Cup sprint. Oh, just a real tough beat. He, or was that last year at Aloha West? It, it was, was two, uh, Del Mar two years, two years yeah. ago, 2021. Right. Aloha West got him in the last jump, just a excruciating defeat. But running second in a $2 million race, you still get a pretty good little... 
yeah. pot there. And uh, looks like Mark's got that horse right where they want him for uh, three weeks from now. Okay. Yeah, Mark Glatt joining us. So is Matt Dinnerman, who replaced Robert Geller at Emerald Downs back in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, Robert called Striker PhD's 2014 mile, and then Matt called it the next year. Yeah, Matt had some big shoes to fill there. Oh and and just right off the bat, Matt did a great job filling in. And, and proof of that, well, we'll be talking to him here yeah. in a few minutes. Um, but Matt has a real exciting career going, Joe. Yeah. We'll go over that story, how he became a track announcer. And uh, he's his career is just uh, on the upswing from recent announcements. So Matt Dinnerman, Mark Glatt joining us on Horse Racing Northwest this week. Um, yeah, just uh, getting to the Breeders' Cup, the juveniles, you know, a lot of times there's a juvenile that's just super dominant. Um, I know that Prince of Monaco is three for three, but he barely won the Del Mar Futurity over a maiden. Um, Muth yeah. just won the American Pharaoh. He was pretty impressive last yeah, week. He yeah, he was from off the pace, so. Uh, I got to be honest. I have, you know, I it's well, me too. Time to start buckling down here pretty quick on the Breeders' Cup, and as you mentioned, we'll have that draft. And uh, by the time we have the Breeders' Cup edition, we'll we'll know our, yeah. our P's and Q's a little better here on the Breeders' Cup. But uh, nothing like Flightline, who was a cinch to be the number yeah. one pick last year, and he did come through for a five point victory. So Breeders' Cup coming up. November 3rd and 4th, if you want to come to Emerald Downs, uh, it's first come, first served on the fifth floor for seating. Uh, there are suites available, uh, $1,000 minimum to rent a suite on Breeders' Cup Day. Of course, that includes food. And you can get more information by calling our group events. Call Emerald Downs at 288 7000 Ask for group events. One of the four suites has been booked. But uh, that is a sweet day to spend the Breeders' Cup on the sixth floor at Emerald Downs. We'll have the big screen on and you can take a look out there for a nice picture as well. So Breeders' Cup Friday and Saturday coming up on the 3rd and 4th of November. Well, uh, our meet is over and uh, Washington Horsemen have dispersed uh, our top trainer justin evans and uh you know looking back he he's really been a tremendous addition to washington racing uh, jeff metz came in here uh, a few years back about 10 years ago now, 2013 and he, yeah and he rattled off three consecutive training titles so he was a fantastic addition to washington racing but justin evans and his family being uh, ubiquitous around our 170 acres uh and, of course, he was a dominant winner of the training title, and he also was the leading owner, and he had another ownership group in the top six or so. So he, he was a really uh, a strong force and great addition to our uh, Washington Racing this year. He was. He, you know, it would have been hard to think of the meet without him in terms of the, you know, horses. So it was, yeah, he was great. And you mentioned Jeff Metz. we got to congratulate him, too. Mm -hmm. He got the job as stable superintendent at Santa Anita. So that's excellent big, big job and jeff will be quite great at that he's a good people person and you know that's that's what that job is is trying to keep horsemen happy and you know you got a lot of demand for stalls down there so uh that'll be a big job for jeff and uh, i understand his daughter will still train a few horses zoe 
And so they'll still have their hand in that. But uh, yeah, as far as Justin goes, really hoping Justin makes it back here next year too. Yeah, he is starting horses at Delta Downs in Vinton, Louisiana today. This is day number four at Delta Downs. He's got several horses in, including Kiss Ride Goodbye, who has a three-race winning streak as she runs today, talking about Friday, uh, Friday, October 13th. So Evan's down there. Uh, Mike Bubba Boleyn took a few horses to Delta, and so did uh, Mike Pierce. Mm-hmm. And all are planning on coming back at this point. So uh, good luck to Justin Evans. And yeah, we'll get Jeff Metz on in the future. He Again, he just uh, was great for our program. And he last couple few years, he trained some Emerald Racing Club horses. And Scott Tubbs, his assistant, is planning on coming back, yep. I think yes, you sir. mentioned. Yeah, he plans to come back good. next year and uh, support of a uh, few owners. And uh by the time we do the next podcast, we'll be pretty close to talking about dates, I think, yeah, for next good. year. But those are certainly being kicked around in the planning stages. So we hope to have some good news there, too. Yeah. So dates for 2024. We do figure to open on Kentucky Derby Day, I believe. That's kind of been the general consensus around here. That's Yeah, I think that's pretty well going to happen. And I think, isn't the Derby on the first next year? Uh, uh, you know, I couldn't tell you that. I think it right is. Now. But anyway, yeah. First Saturday in May, we do know that. So, yeah, horsemen, horses out of state. Uh, hey, Blaine Wright's outstanding three-year-old, who was a double stakes winner, and our top three-year-old at our 2023 meeting, he is still going good down in the state of California. Boy, I'll tell you, they had a great race last week. He was running say his name. older horses in the Harris Farm Stakes at uh, Fresno Six Furlongs. Clovis Connection Yeah, by Bronski out of a perfect mandate mare named Ladarning. Made it seven for 10 lifetime and four in a row. Well, all he did was uh, turn back Top Harbor in the stretch. And Top Harbor was three and a quarters clear of Larry's legend and uh, took down the uh, Harris Farm Stakes. Earned a 93 buyer. That's a career high. Six furlongs and 109 flat. Great race down the stretch, Joe. Those two really went at it. It looked like Top Harbor had a measure, but Clovis Connection, William Anton Georgie, came back and uh, got him at the wire. Great race for both those horses. We all know Top Harbor's quality, so anytime oh, you beat a, him, it's it's you've earned a victory. He's got a string of first and seconds that's pretty long yeah. now. He's all racehorse. And, uh, you know, the thing about Clovis' connection, what's really cool, is his versatility. We saw it here in the Auburn Stakes when he shot up the rail under Kevin Radke and mm-hmm. went six furlongs in 107 and two, and then he came slightly off the pace to beat Lloyd's Logic with that big move around the turn. Then goes to Santa Rosa, stretches out on turf, and goes wire to wire. Is that then, a three-year-old race at Santa Rosa? Yes, it okay. was. The uh, Rupert, oh, yeah. Robert Dupre Derby, and that was a $75,000 race. Um, but to go nine furlong, or a mile and a sixteenth, excuse me, on turf, and then back to six furlongs for the Harris Farms. Against older horses. Against older horses. He's a good horse, you, you know, and, and I... <laughs> I don't want to jump the gun here, but it certainly has the profile of a horse that, you know, as an older horse could fit in something like uh-huh. the Long Acres Mile. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Most definitely. Clovis Connection for Blaine Wright uh, on a roll in 2023. That's a good one. Um, and let's go over the top 10 Washington bred leading earners as we just have a couple months plus remaining in 2023. Zabra Cadabra is number one. He has been for a lot of months. He's made 160 grand. He's the son of Harbor the Gold, a six-year-old who started his career here at age two, ran three times, did not break his maiden, 
Uh, and breeder owner Frank Sample took him east. Uh, he just is aware of racing all around the country. And this horse has thrived at uh, Laurel in the state of Maryland and uh, even at Delaware. Uh, he's been unplaced in his last two. One was a stake. But he has three wins and two seconds from seven starts. 160 grand for Zabra Cadabra, now a six-year-old. And uh, Sample was aware of the Long Acres Mile this year. It was a long ship, and he's just been doing so well back east. He kept him back there. And by the way, he was, uh, I believe he was number four in Washington Bread Earnings last year as well, just under 100000 So he's up to 367 in his career. You know those Harbor of the Golds? They, we didn't see a lot of them out of state, but when they ran in California, this one in Maryland, they're runners everywhere. Top Harbor? Yeah. So I don't want to hear this, that he was only a state sire type thing. They could, Those things ran, and they ran anywhere. And number two on the Washington bread earnings list is also a son of Harbor the Gold. His name is My Harbor's Dream. He's won four races this year. He's won at Santa Anita. He's won at Monmouth. He's won at Delaware. He was claimed on closing day at Santa Anita back in the early summer, and he's gone back east, and he's he's uh, three for six back east. He's got 130 grand in earnings, another son of Harbor the Gold. Then it's a Cena, a filly by Coast Guard out of Market Formula who has been a good broodmare. She's a daughter of uh, um, the Howard Belvoir uh, Spite and Malice, who was a multiple stakes winner here at Emerald Downs in our early years. Belvoir trained Spite Wasn't and Malice. Wasn't that the one with the sway back? Uh, no, that's Malice of Forethought. Yes. That's out of that same running line, probably, yeah. with that name, yeah. So Asina just won at Remington. She's up to 86000 By the way, our ownership group bought her full younger brother. Nice. Coast Guard market formula at the recent WTBOA sale. Steve Bullock will be the trainer. Those Coast Guards had a good year at Emerald Downs. They really did. Uh, got edged out for most wins by Harbor the Gold. Bodenheimer, he's in on Sunday at Keeneland in $140,000 allowance. He's four wins and a second from five starts this year. He was Washington Horse of the Year three years ago at age two. Of course, we remember he ran in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. Mm-hmm. And he broke poorly that day, and Wesley Ward's big favorite won that, I know. But Bodenheimer having a great five-year-old season for Val Lund. By the way, Val Lund, I think she's the trainer of Asina as well. That she, is that is yeah, correct, yeah. yeah. So she's got numbers uh, three and four. Sluice Tiz Wiz, number five, won the Governors and, of course, the Muckleshoot Tribal Classic, third in the mile this year. He's at 83,000. Blazing Bella Blue just behind her by 50 behind him by 50 bucks she was tremendous again this year blazing bella blue eighty-two thousand nine fifty. terry's boys been running in some good class races at golden gate freight line uh from the wtboa sale a year ago steve bullock runner partly uh, owned by joe yeah and uh, he had a really good year didn't make the uh the gotstein just a little bit of a muscle pull but he won two of four starts and 64,000 torpedo away, Ms. Parkside. And then joining joining in that group just today was Huge Bigley, who won at Keeneland. He ran in our mile last year, as you remember. I do remember Huge Bigley, yeah. A horse liked to go farther than a yeah, mile, I think. He did, and uh, he didn't figure much in the mile of uh, 2022, won by Sluice Tiz Wiz. But he did win at Keeneland today, a uh, $45,000 purse. He's, he's up to top 10 earnings as well as he was uh, a big earner last year with some wins at Colonial and uh, 
I think Keenlander Churchill. So there's a look at the top 10. Hey, the uh, a lot of great information at emeralddowns.com as well as you, you finished up uh, the news and notes for the year right after closing day, yep. which was on the 17th. But just really good info there, Vince. Thanks. Yep. Enjoy it. And uh, this was the first year, you know, a little bit of a negative note. This is the first year that Washington breads weren't the most frequent winners at an Emerald Downs meeting. That's right. Yeah. Kentucky uh, led the way, then California, Washington, a close third. Yeah. And actually, you know, the latter half of the meet, they did improve quite a bit. But, you know, we all know the reasons why. You know, we don't breed as many horses up here as yeah. we used to. And a lot more horses coming in from out of state. But, uh, I'm still bullish on Wabreds. You bet. Uh, so that is a look at a little more of a follow-up and a little bit of a preview of the Breeders' Cup. Uh, again, Matt Dinnerman, Mark Glad are going to join us on Horse Racing Northwest. We'll have our sports shorts and and uh, trivia as well uh, in our final segment um, and a couple other uh, tidbits of information. Uh, some sad news to report in the industry. Ray McKenna passed away last weekend. The older brother of Tim McKenna. Tim, of course, a Washington Hall of Fame trainer and the McKenna family so well known in this state. Ray was the oldest of Tim, Daniel, and Carrie. Daniel, of course, Boone McKenna uh, operates down the stretch ranch outside of Spokane to help soldiers and to home, rehome, uh, retired thoroughbreds. Uh, Ray was 64. He, brief illness, uh, found out about it you know, right around uh, the end of July and uh, unfortunately did pass away. Ray was, uh, had quite the full life. Uh, he leaves behind his daughter, Mallory. He, he was a four-year starter at the University of Idaho in football, was second team all-conference one year. Uh, just a, a tough player and uh, went to Gonzaga like his brothers and sisters. Um, got into the gas and oil industry through his uncle, who was like the number one driller for Exxon. So he learned uh, the oil and gas industry and, and most specifically in cleaning uh, oil refineries. So he traveled the world, United States, France, Australia, all over the Mideast and uh opened his own company, Clean Concept, all, quite a while ago. He, he sold that fairly recently and continued to work for them, but made a good living in that business. Uh, and as far as horse racing, his father, Dan, was a trainer and a teacher and administrator in the Spokane area. And uh, Dan's father was a trainer as well. So it's in the family. Uh, Ray started training a little bit himself after Tim had already started. Tim, a couple of years younger than Ray. And uh, he did all right. He won races at Playfair, Yakima, Long Acres. But he's really been fully involved as an owner since the 80s. He was part owner of Queen Do, who was a three-time Washington champion. Currently was involved with 10 horses as owner, along with the uh, Trained by his brother, Tim, of course, and some of his partners are well-known around here. Al Hodge, Charlie Dunn, Freddie Desimone, Gordy Jarnig, and, and uh, just lived a full life. His main residence was over there in Port Ludlow, but he also had a place in Idaho and uh, really involved in the game. Um, and uh, our condolences, of course, to the McKenna family. Their oldest sibling, Ray McKenna, passed away at age 64. 
Nancy Ross also left us. Nancy worked for the WTBOA in the late 90s, early 2000s, but uh, her and her husband uh, ran Medallion Farm outside of Olympia way back uh, in the 80s, and they stood, even the 70s, and they stood Prince Alert, Just the Time, Introductivo, um, some stallions that did well, especially Just the Time. And uh, then after that, after she split with her husband, she was the farm secretary at Rainier Stables, and they were really up going good. Claw, yeah, oh, they, yeah, boy, did they breed a lot of horses up there. Dwayne Moore's Rainier Stables, she was uh, farm secretary there and has worked with the Washington Thoroughbred Farm Managers Association. She passed away recently at age 82. Nancy Ross uh, has uh, a daughter and a granddaughter uh, leaving behind there so our condolences there uh so we will take a break and we'll come back with our first guest here on horse racing northwest it'll be track announcer matt dinnerman we'll be right back on the show it doesn't matter if you love craps blackjack machines or dining on the finest asian american and salish cuisines it doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. Muckleshoot. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. An easy drive from wherever you are. All roads lead to Muckleshoot. Muckleshoot. Quarter mile to go in the mile. New Seto being taken on by Alert Bay. And Alert Bay comes roaring off the turn. But Striker PhD is flying like a Ferrari on the outside. Alert Bay's going to have to deal with Striker PhD, who takes the lead and takes off. Striker PhD by two and a half. Alert Bay, Sammy Mandeville coming from out of nowhere. Striker PhD has won it for Washington. He wins the Long Acres mile from Sammy Mandeville, Alert Bay. And then Nusito finished fourth. He did it for Washington. The Washington Bread Warrior has won the Long Acres Mile again. That was the 2015 Long Acres Mile won by Stryker PhD, his second win in a row. But the first year of a new job for one young Matt Dinnerman, track announcer and track announcer at Emerald Downs, and he did a fantastic job in his first Long Acres Mile, and he has gone on to do more. Of course, those of us that follow racing know he's been the Golden Gate track announcer and TV personality there for several years. And there's more news on the career of Matt Dinnerman as we welcome him to Horse Racing Northwest. Matt, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe and Vince. How are you guys doing? Hey, great, Matt. Doing really good. Uh, end of a season you know we got things done up here had had some really good things to talk about and and let's just get it out first of all uh in 2023 this year you're going to be calling the races at a new track tell us that track and uh let's start celebrating absolutely the celebration has begun and we will continue it going to be moving to hot springs arkansas and wintering there at lovely oakland park which of course is not only a top winter destination for racing but really just a top destination for racing in general all year round some great horses great human connections the purses are obviously very sizable 
Uh, and it's a dream come true. I mean, when you get a job like Emerald Downs, Golden Geese, if you want to be an announcer and you get jobs like those, those are dream jobs. And this is another dream job, Oaklawn Park. But obviously, uh, the racing there is top-notch, and the community, the whole community loves racing. So I'm very, very excited to be a part of it. And I called my first graded stake in the Long Acres Mile in Striker PhD yeah. 1, and now at Oakland I get to call my first grade 1. So oh, I'm really excited. Oh, you better believe it. Congratulations, man. We were uh, we knew you were in the running. I know you, uh, you and Vince speak uh, fairly often, and, uh, you know, just we're so happy to hear that you got the job. Uh, you've done a fantastic work at Golden Gate, um, but we all do know that that's coming to an end, and... Uh, you don't even have to feel guilty about you're not even dumping them because racing is going to end there. I use that word kind of flippantly, but, uh, you know, you have some great memories at Golden Gate as well, Matt. Absolutely. I mean, I've called races there for six years now and wow. I've called some really good horses. And I've made a lot of really good friends, just like I made at Emerald. And you two are my friends and Cy in the truck there. He's my buddy and Carl, and, and you remember all these people, and I think that's the thing that when you leave a racetrack, those are the things you remember most. You remember the races, you remember watching those races, but I think the things you remember most are the good times you have with the people in that community, because as you guys know, racing is very much a family and a community. So I think leaving Golden Gate, the most really I'm going to miss there is, is the people. You know, Matt, when you came up here in 2015, we didn't know a whole lot about you. I think Sophia McKee uh, deserves a lot of the credit for finding you. And um, But it became pretty obvious to guys like myself and Joe that this young man has an aptitude for calling races. And uh, on top of that, is it possible, Joe, to have too much enthusiasm in one's <laughs> job? Because if it is, Matt's got it. But I mean that in the most positive way. I know you do. He, uh, he, uh, he's out at the barns in the morning. He knows the anatomy of horses. He's got a great gift for calling them. He interacts well with people. He does the social media. I mean, he just really, really gets it. So, I mean, just our highest praise to you, Matt. You really earned and deserved this opportunity down there. And I must say, from a personal standpoint, me and, Joy, me and Joe really follow Oakland. So this is great for us, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Matt, if you if you took over our training day report, it would take half the time because, you know, every horse on the darn you got out there. And I think that, yeah, that's so and so. Yeah. OK. OK. Yeah. Really? OK. Yeah, that's right. It looks like. Them. OK. But Matt knew. I mean, he picked those horses out. And of course, I would verify with the trainer it was OK to use it. But he knew the horses like some of our trainers did. And he was always at the backside. Yeah. Let's go over that story on how Matt became a track announcer. Uh um, Matt, you practiced on the roof. I mean, you had an inkling that maybe that would be a, a vocation that you might want to get into, correct? I did, yes. So I was practicing on the roof at San Anita Park, and I actually made it basically an internship where I would practice calling races as my senior year internship project, going to San Anita, practicing calling races and a couple other things. Uh, but I also, while working in the press box at Del Mar, I was able to practice there there are booths in the press box at del mar empty rooms a few of them and i was able to go into a booth with my phone and record and practice and i just really fell in love with watching the races not only do i have a strong passion for being on track and seeing the races live i just can't get enough of that but being able to watch a race and describe 
how it's playing out and being able to describe that to the betting public and the listeners. And of course, as you guys know, it's very much an art when you're good at it. Uh, I think all of these really good announcers, it's an art for them. So I've really fallen in love with the art of calling a race. Um, and, and Vince, you said it, Sophia McKee. I mean, she was basically like my fairy godmother in a way because um, she was really going to bat for me when I sent in my tapes, when the press release had come out that Emerald Downs was looking for a new announcer. I didn't think I had a shot at it really, but I decided to go ahead and send the tapes in and you just never know. And next thing you know, I got to call a couple of races up there. You folks flew me up and the dream began right there. And it's just been an absolute thrill of a ride ever since. Okay, well, he filled in a gap for me right there, Matt did, by saying that he saw a press release that Emerald Downs was looking for an announcer. So I wasn't quite sure. But uh, Matt, so Vince and I and probably five or six others, were we were sitting in the conference room and it was time to listen to some tapes. And I distinctly remember listening to a few and including a couple people that we did know who they were. And there was a, a woman from Australia. And then we come along to this, this next one and we hear a stretch run and we all kind of look at each other. Yeah, that, yeah, that's not bad. You know, that's not bad. Didn't Her, know who it was. Yeah. We didn't know who it was. Good. Everybody yeah. going, yeah, that's, yeah, that, yeah. He sounds fine. You know? And, and so uh, that was the, the verdict was, we'll get him up here this week. You came up that very Saturday, didn't you? I came up that Saturday. I mean, I think it wasn't even 24 hours before <laughs> calling the race. I got a call. I, I actually was calling races at San Anita that day over my tape recorder on the roof. So I was driving home and I got a call and I looked at the caller ID and it said Auburn, Washington. And I basically thought to myself, where well, here comes the, uh, here comes the call where they say, thanks, but no thanks, you know, because oh. the press release actually said, uh, we're looking for an experienced race caller. And even though I didn't have any experience, I wanted to get my name out there. Yep. Uh, and Sophia was on the other end and she said, you know, we'd love to have you come up tomorrow and call a couple of races. So with that, I darted to San Diego, believe it or not. Uh, my Chapman university where I went to school is probably 45 minutes from CNN Anita. I, I decided not to go back there. I went straight to San Diego with my mom and dad and made sure I could find the nicest clothes I could to, uh, get ready for the big day the following afternoon, and you know the rest is history. You bet it is, and uh, you have just done great. And of course, you know working uh, with Robert Geller right there that first day. Robert, uh, uh, such a, a fine human being, as well as one of the top, easily one of the top race callers. I mean, we just still marvel at Robert's call on all those big fields. That, Woodbine, and I'm sure you do too, but uh, learning with him had to be great. And and the Golden Gate opportunity came up, and now Oaklawn Park for Matt Dinnerman. It is just fantastic that uh, you'll be doing, I think they run four days a week now, don't they? I think they went to four. Or? I think they go three, and then maybe okay. in, in December, and I think they go up to four later on in the meet, which that's what they did last year. Not sure about this year. Okay. Uh, but they start in early December. So, Matt, did you say you're going to call through November, is it, down down in uh, the Bay Area? Yes. So I'll be calling. My last day is November 27th, which is a Monday, because I'm in the fall meet, just like the past summer meet here, we go Saturday through Monday. So I'll be calling Monday, November 27th. And then the following day, November 28th, I take the plane to the mm -hmm. south. All right. So, 
Uh, it'll only be my second time, guys, setting foot in the state of Arkansas. The only other time I did it was when I went to interview yeah. uh, in August. You know, when you mentioned that interview, you you had said it went pretty well, uh, but you still weren't quite sure, right, until you got the official word. Absolutely, yes. And when you go to a job interview, you have a sense of how it went, and I felt really good about it. I thought we were all on the same page. We had really good rapport. You know, a place like Oakland Park especially, you've got some really good candidates that would want to call there and plenty of people that are at a high level in terms of their professional. So I was able to go to the interview and feel good about it. But at the same time, you don't really know until you get the call and the offer. So when I did, I had to wait a little bit. But when I did, I was over the moon yeah and you're gonna have to learn a whole bunch of new silks and stuff down there too right i mean for following the races a lot of steve asmussen horses (laughs) he's good at that stuff we know that he is yeah we're not gonna worry about that yeah matt uh, i I went i went through equibase and i've been looking at the leading owners and i've been watching replays to try to figure out what the silks are so i'm starting my homework already there's plenty of it but i've already started not surprised not surprised on that yeah well Oaklawn Park is on the main drag in Hot Springs, Arkansas. The downtown yeah, is Joe, just like Joe and his buddies go there every year, Matt. I've I've been back there several times. Uh, oh wow! And uh, yeah, uh, I forget the name of that street, but it runs right into the downtown. It's the main drag. Downtown's about a mile away, and really, really cool little town too, Hot Springs, Arkansas. And as you said off the top, the the community, the state really embraces racing at Oaklawn. It's uh, it's uh, just a real destination point, and uh, Hot Springs is a destination town, too. $115,000 made in special weights this oh, year? Boy. Is that what we heard? <laughs> well, 115000 made in special weights. I think 140000 first-level allowances, and there's been a big boost in the uh, stake schedule purses. The Arkansas Derby at $1.5 this year. I think the Rebels at $1,250,000. Wow. $1, so, I mean, obviously, the state loves racing, but the money's there to attract some really nice horses. And, Joe, now that you know the announcer there, there's no excuse. you got to get out there in 2023 yeah. and 2024. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll put that on the list for sure. Did you get uh, <laughs> Did you get to see the announcer's booth? I don't think I made I it did. up there. I did. It's a very nice booth, actually. Okay. You know, it used to be like a phone booth for many decades when Terry Wallace was calling in. Even when Pete Aiello and Frank Miramonti were there for their seasons at Oakland, it's a really small booth. But I think a couple years ago they extended it. So now they've got sort of that area where you call the race, which is still pretty small little area. But it extends, and it's a really nice booth. It's got a couple couches in there. It's got a desk and a computer. Um, it's not on the line like it is uh, at Golden Gate or Emerald, so I'm going to have to get used to that angle a little bit, but that shouldn't be an issue. And No. Uh, the good news is I think they do have a heater up there, so in the winter <laughs> right. months when it gets a little chilly, we'll be able to use that. Yeah, that they'll, have, use. they'll have a few days like that, but uh, just, uh, yeah, super big focus on Oaklawn in in the winter months. They've extended their meet the last couple of years to start in December. Matt will start there, and... Uh, Matt, yeah, the Bay Area with uh, just tremendous tradition, and um, they're going to continue on until, I believe, next June. And, uh, I mean, 
no official rumblings on what's going on maybe at the at the end of Golden Gate's run, but hopefully somebody takes up the mantle there. I mean, Sacramento's a name that's been tossed out. I don't know if uh, you have any opinions on that, but it should be nice if, if thoroughbred racing continued on a, on a strong circuit in Northern Cal. I think I think really the key there is um, keeping a certain level of horse in a spot in the state where they can compete. I think that's really the key because Santa Anita is only going to have so many horses that can compete at that level. And you see a lot of horses at Golden Gate. Part of the reason they're there is because the owners, the breeders are supporting Northern California racing, but they also understand, look, there are certain horses that don't fit Southern California. Uh, and the breeding industry, the breeding industry, I saw a stat the other day, I think 80% of breeding in California is in the northern part of the state. And wow. if there's not racing in the northern part of the state, I think the breeding industry is going to suffer a bit. So I would say there's a lot of uncertainty as to the future. Yeah, You could say that about any state in racing, really, uh, in, in our business. But uh, I think the key there is trying to figure out how do we keep horses in the state that maybe aren't quite fast enough, quite frankly, to be down south because you get plenty of those. Yep, that's true. Uh, whenever a track goes away, you, you're certainly going to lose a lot of small breeders in the area, the hinterland. Um, but as uh, you threw out that stat, wow, that's, uh, that's a big number on breeders north of... Uh, Santa Anita and so forth. So let's hope for the best in Northern Cal. And uh, again, a super job there. Matt Dinnerman, the new track announcer at Oaklawn Park, starting that segment of his career in December. And uh, again, we're just so happy for you, Matt. You bet, Matt. Yeah, and congratulations again. And we trust us up here in the Northwest. We'll be watching and following you with pride this winter. Yep, that's that's for sure. Well, everybody in the Northwest has been very supportive since day one. And I remember going in there, and, and in all honesty, I, I was pretty scared going up to Northern California, or I'm sorry, uh, the Pacific Northwest, uh, because I didn't have any experience. But yeah. you, Joe, and you, Vince, and the whole team and the whole community took me in as one of theirs, and, and it's been a great experience. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine sitting here with you guys years down the line. If I was sitting with you at Emerald, at uh, Mama Stortini's having an Italian dinner <laughs> after the races, and I could tell you, hey, in about eight nine years, I'll be at Oakland Park. I mean, I wouldn't have dreamt of that. So well, let me tell you, Matt. Ride and and you guys have been very supportive, and I really really appreciate it. We'll always remember it. Yeah, appreciate it, Matt. But but you you may not have mentioned, but I know me and Joe and our our little talks, we we oh, yeah. we we saw some good things in your future. It was pretty obvious you were going places. So uh, you're, nah. you 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 were doing just fine, and. One thing we love about Oakland, too, is you'll have a lot of crowd support down there. So you'll have a lot of fans in your corner cheering for you. That's right. Again. And I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. No, Matt, your total involvement, uh, the time you spent uh, on the backside and uh, conversing with horsemen and uh, out for training and just enjoying it, uh, just embracing the whole game. Uh, that is a huge feather in your cap as far as, uh, your likability and your interest and your higher ability. You're there. You made it. Uh, next stage anyway, Oakland Park for Matt Dinnerman. Matt, uh, happy holidays to you. And uh, it's going to be a fun one this year. Uh, career change for the better. And again, all congratulations. 
Thanks, Matt. Thank you, Joe and Vince. Thanks, guys, so much. And uh, I'll see you in Hot Springs, hopefully sooner rather than later. All right. Thank you, Matt Dinnerman, joining us on Horse Racing Northwest. Uh, just a, a super move in his career up to track announcer at Oaklawn. Uh, yeah, he, he did a fantastic job here. It was a pretty short stay, as it turns out. Uh, took over in 2015. I think he had two full seasons here. So about 2016 and 2017. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's right. He called the 2017 mile Gold yeah. Rush dancer for John Parker. Yes. And, you know, to segue into our next guest, uh, when his horse won the Long Acres Mile, you were the announcer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a little different day. Uh, just before we take a break, uh, we haven't got too negative on this uh, thing, but, you know, we need to step it up around the country. Vince and I were just talking about it. That's why I'm bringing it up. But uh, we do a good job of uh, shooting the race with our camera here at Emerald Downs. Our pan cameraman does a, a really fine job. Uh, Kenny, for most of the year, he took, I think, just the last weekend off. But, you know, as a viewer out there, and what is it? It's got to be close to 90% of people watching the race are watching on a screen, a monitor. Oh, yeah. It's got to be. Yeah. And they can only see what's going on as what the pan cameraman shows them. And so many tracks and even big tracks, uh, they tighten up too much in that last 16th of a mile. And what's going on behind it? You know, is this horse still coming on or, you know, what's happening? Well, and you mentioned 90% of the money or 90% of the money is wagered or Waces are watched on screen. A lot of the money is depending on who not only wins, but of who course. gets the minor awards. So Yeah. I mean, everybody's watching and, you know, it's an art. I mean, you, you widen out at a certain time, put the leader over on the right side of the picture and widen out. And it, it takes some, yeah. some practice, but uh, I'm really surprised about how many tracks, even bigger tracks, do not shoot you race know? as well. And so You know, what my pet peeve is on this too is... After the race, to me, there's nothing more important than let's get the, not only the results up, but let's get the odds up. You know, let's say the six was 16 to one and the five was five. We need to know that stuff right away, sooner are, rather than later. And, and many tracks, even a lot of the big ones, oh. you wait and you wait and you wait, you know, and uh, to get that info. There are people betting these races. Yeah. And <laughs> that should be rudimentary uh, thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some tracks get you know, Joe, I think mainly because of your influence here that you've helped well, uh, teach it the right way and to be yeah, done, uh, you know, uh, and it's uh, the, most of the employees are willing to do it if oh, they're sure. shown the right way to do it. Yeah. We've, we've always done it well. Um, California does it well. Belmont park. I, I know they put the odds up right away or aqueduct right now. Um, but a lot of tracks don't, they got all their colorful replays and graphics, but you know, especially with odds changing the way they do more than ever here exactly. in the last couple of years. You bet. Even yeah. more even more reason for that information to be up there immediately. So it's yeah. I do like the tracks that also give a quick pan of the odds too after the race, you know. Not only get the results up, but just show what the odds were on all of them. That's right. right. They're really quick. No, but all of them. You want to know, oh, I was going to play in the nine. Would he end up going off yeah. at? Would the favorite go off at? Would my horse go off at? Yeah. This is simple stuff. And uh, like you said, it's just, it's, it's the, a lot of places they have the ability to do that very easily with just someone showing them, hey, this is what we need to do right after the yeah. race and then we'll get it done. But you're right, Joe. 
Okay, well, we'll take a short time out here and come back with uh, trainer Mark Glatt, Auburn native Mark Glatt, here on Horse Racing Northwest. It doesn't matter if you love craps, blackjack, machines, or dining on the finest Asian, American, and Salish cuisines. It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. An easy drive from wherever you are. All roads lead to Muckleshoot. Muckleshoot. They're at the top of the stretch and Speedboat Beach and Dr. Shivel are head and head. Dr. Shivel just in front, Speedboat Beach, and here's Fort Bragg finishing strongly in the center of the racetrack. Dr. Shivel and Speedboat Beach are head and head coming for the wire. Dr. Shivel or Speedboat Beach, here's the line. Dr. Shivel has won the Santa Anita Sprint Championship again. Dr. Shivel on top in the Santa Anita Sprint Championship recently at the great race place and dr shivel well known around north america as a top sprinter and it looks like he is on track toward another breeders cup at santa anita his trainer mark glatt joins us here on horse racing northwest mark good afternoon hello everyone nice to be with you good to have you on mark uh in fact uh, we were just doing some Long Acres stuff the other day. We'll just start off with that. We've got a lot to talk about, but uh, there's that famous picture of you with your girlfriend on closing day in Long Acres history on September 21st, 1992. And I think you took the walk around the track that evening, didn't you? Yeah, we sure did. It was uh, um, certainly, uh, you know, a very, 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 very tough moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up there, Long Acres, a lot of great times there. And, you know, to be there when it closed was uh, was a pretty hard time. Yeah, that was a real emotional uh, time and evening for sure. So many people walked the track. And, uh, again, there was a pretty famous picture of Mark there. Uh, Mark, the son of Ron Glatt, who did uh, was a fantastic horseman, first over there at Playfair and uh, in the Long Acres era as well, and still a horseman in Southern Cal. Uh, Mark has taken over, Vince, and uh, he has really had an outstanding career. Yeah, listen to some of these numbers. Mark, I think, is up to 1,187 wins, over $44 million in purses. At the current Santa Anita meet, he's 9 for 22, but Mark is a local guy. He grew up uh, I think on Lee Hill, just uh, east of Auburn, up, uh, yeah, on a five-acre ranch. And uh, Mark, when you won the Long Acres Mile with Law Abiding Citizen 2019, I know that was a, a big deal uh, for you. You've won a lot of graded stakes, grade twos, grade ones, but uh, Law Abiding Citizen, that, that took you back home, didn't it? Yeah, it sure did. You know, it was locally based ownership group uh, that have been with me for a number of years that, that owned Law Biden Citizen. And growing up as a kid, you know, my dad never really got a lot of opportunities to to even have a starter in the Long Acres Mile. Um, but it was the signature race of the Northwest and always a race that, you know, that I wanted to, to try and win at some point. 
had tried it a couple of on a couple of other occasions prior to law-abiding citizen. I think Boyette was second, yeah. either the year before or two years before that, and uh, was able to was able to knock that off of my uh, off of my list of things to do, so to speak. Yeah, Mark, uh, you know, kind of a stoic uh, demeanor about him for sure. But, uh, yeah, the heart had to be going at a good rate when you won the mile. A thrilling finish, and uh law-abiding citizen got the job done for the Schneid- Gary and, uh, Jerry and Gail Schneider and Dan Agnew and John Zitko, local people. And, yeah, coming back to the Northwest to win. And, again, as Vince said, uh, just, just a tremendous last 10 years for you. I, I just briefly noted that you have been well in the top 50 in trainer earnings the last four seasons and this year number 34 nationally that is nationally north america that is uh fantastic and you know it's not easy to get new clients and new owners you've done pretty well in that area mark yeah i've been very fortunate i was able to it was a grind you know to start out when i left when i left the northwest Mm mm-hmm and, um, you know, I started started in the Bay Area and spent a few years there and got an opportunity to come to Southern California. And it just it took me a while to get to, to accumulate some of the clientele and, and change my stock around uh, to a point where I could be competitive down here and gradually just picked it up each year. And now I have a number of uh, terrific clientele that, uh, you know, by by very expensive um you know sometimes very expensive horses you know they're buying overseas they're buying expensive two-year-olds in training yearlings and also i've gotten a number of of um you know very nice uh, homebreds uh the last uh last few years so it's been a you know it's been a steady uh steady climb to uh to achieve what i have Mark, I remember when you first went to Southern California, you remember a horse called Salish Slough? And I think he won a race with Eddie D up at Del Mar. I was there that day, hmm. and that was a pretty cool day to to watch you down, I think, in the winter circle. Yeah, I believe that was the first my first Del Mar winter, actually. Wow. Uh, at Del Mar. Uh, but yes, I, I, I remember that pretty clearly. Two turn grass, really. Huh. 24 to 1 Washington bred winning at Del Mar. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And then I, 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 I another horse you got uh, one last week, I think the Chandelier is uh, Chitalis. Is that how it's pronounced? And me and Joe are wondering, is that named after a guy named John Chitalis, who was a big racing fan up here? Uh, that is how you say her name, Chitalis, but she's actually named after um, the, the owner's uh, good friend. His name is Bill palace uh, um that they live down uh, dan agnew bred and raised the filly and uh, it's a good friend of his yeah and you know i believe that uh bill chitalis is related to john the fellow that we know from uh washington and oregon but uh, uh we'll get frank miramati to say that name right next time but uh and frank does a super job by the way i'm a big fan of frank miramati uh, Chitalis, yeah, that's exciting. Uh, uh, boy, Dr. Shivel and, and Chitalis, the filly, both headed toward the Breeders' Cup, Mark? Yeah, yeah, they both have bounced back out of their prep races very well. Uh, at this time, I don't see any reason why, um, you know, we won't, 
we won't be there on those two days and give it our best shot. Yeah, that's great. Dr. Shivel, man, uh, he has really had a, a strong career, and boy, he looks like the type of horse that any jock would want to ride. He's fast, but yet he doesn't have to have the lead. Uh, um, just uh, quite the individual, and you've developed him. Uh, he's still, I, how old is he now? Is he six or is he five? He's a five-year-old. Five-year-old. So uh, just missed in the Breeders' Cup sprint a couple of years ago. Uh, tell us about his development. He's a horse that uh, uh, was bred and raised by a client of mine. And the horse was uh, started out with a, a trainer by the name of Luis Mendez in his two-year-old season. And I'd been watching the horse run, run a, his first couple of starts, and, and he'd had a tremendous amount of trouble in his first couple of starts and both of those starts. And because I had a, um, connection to the owner who I had trained for and actually had trained other foals out of the mare, uh, out of his dam, Dr. Scheibel's dam. Um, I made a phone call to him and, and, uh, asked if the horse could be purchased. And he said, yeah, the horse could be purchased. And so I, I contacted Jed Cohen who has since passed on, but the Cohen family who run under Red Baron's barn and Rancho to Mescal and, you know, told them about the horse didn't really discuss numbers, but that the horse could possibly be bought or a part of him could at least be bought. And, uh, so they didn't jump right on it. We went down to Del Mar that summer and in his third start, he had a, I think it was his third start, he had a very clean trip. And he ran away and hid from, you know, the group of horses that uh, he was in with that day. And immediately after the race, uh, my, my, the Cohen family called me and they said, okay, we believe now. Mm -hmm. uh, let's try and get a deal done. And we did. After that maiden win, a part of the deal for them to buy majority interest in the horse was that he got to stick with the original trainer um, through the futurity. Mm -hmm. And and so they bought the horse. Uh, they bought majority interest in the horse after that maiden victory. They were able to win the futurity. And then after the futurity, the horse transferred to myself. Um, and he needed a break. At that point, he had had uh, four or five races. Uh, you know, pretty good two-year-old campaign. Didn't really think, especially at that time, that he was a two-turn horse. So in the near future, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile was really not, you know, something I thought we should aim for. And uh, so he got a long time off. And then uh, when he came back, he he had won um, three in a row going into the Breeders' Cup. And then we all know what happened on that particular day. He he lost by a nostril and. And, um, you know, started up in his four-year-old season, went to Dubai with him. He ran a very good race and then needed some time off again. And, um, that's kind of gotten us to this, you know, to this current campaign that he's in and, um, tried the Met Mile off of a nice win off the layoff. I did not get a good trip that day. Mm. Uh, probably wasn't going to outrun Cody's wish, but I think he would have. I think he would have shown much better than what you see on paper there. And 
you know, followed that up with, um, you know, trying to win the Bean Crosby again and terrible trip. He was extremely wide. Yeah. Uh, so we were kind of after the Bean Crosby, you know, thinking we still had the same horse, but we weren't showing it on, 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 uh, you know, with wins. Mm-hmm. And so the San Diego Sprint Championship came up and, um, you know, he kind of redeemed himself, uh, I would say, at some level. Uh, didn't get away from there the best. And and really what made it so impressive was because he was on a racetrack that day with some with some weather that was something we hadn't seen him on before. But he didn't get away from the gate very, very good. And he had to run every step of the way and really showed a lot of heart and determination uh, to get to the wire in front. And so I think he's just as good as he was going into the Breeders' Cup a couple of years ago, and hopefully we don't lose any uh, any by any photos this year. Yeah, yeah, and that's Sandia Sprint Championship. They went six in one hundred eight and two, and a horse, a Bob Baffert horse named Speedboat Beach, as as uh, Mark mentioned, they went tooth and nail the whole length of the stretch. And Doctor Scheibel showed a lot of gameness there to come away with the win. Definitely, uh, you know, there's some good sprinters in, in Southern Cal again this year, as there are most years, and this is the home court for Dr. Shivel And, uh, well, the chosen brawn, I know you're well aware of that horse. That 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 fellow's on a real roll too, Mark. Uh, I, I think it's probably pretty likely you'll be running against him in the Breeders' Cup. Uh, most definitely. It looks like he's... Uh you know, chosen to come out of the Bing Crosby uh, into the into the Breeders' Cup. The horse loves to win races, and, um, you know, he's definitely going to be a factor on that day. And, you know, I think we are in good shape to hopefully turn the tables on him, but, uh, but certainly won the reckon with. Mark, we would be remiss up here in the Northwest if we didn't ask how uh, your father, of course, everyone up in the Northwest knows Ron Glatt and uh, how great a trainer he was back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, how's your dad doing? He's doing pretty good. He's, uh, he, uh, you know, kind of oversees um, my second string at San Luis Ray Downs down in uh, San Diego County. And uh, he owns a few horses. Uh, that he messes around with and uh, to keep him kind of active and with something to do. But I actually think he's got one in on Sunday up at uh, Fresno that he just uh, climbed up in, at the Golden Gate Fields. But uh, runs a couple of them over at Los Al at night. So um, so he's still pretty active. That's great. Well. Yeah, your dad, uh, you know, I worked several well nine seasons at long acres and didn't really get to know your dad too well um tom roberts bud clock's dad mike chambers uh junior coffee all those guys you know i mean claiming uh, those claiming trainers uh any trainer they they didn't want to talk to media too much and your dad was right in there with them but mark i kind of bonded with your dad one fall or spring up here he was here and over gonzaga basketball and we shared a lot of stories and and a lot of smiles from your dad over gonzaga basketball so that uh that that changed things around a little bit but uh, yeah that's just the way trainers were for a long time and still are so to speak but uh yeah say hi to your dad for sure for us that's great and and he's training uh 
Uh, John Lindley and Ray Morton just got uh, claimed a horse, Vince. You I think know. that's the one they mentioned that's yeah. running at uh, Ron's, Fresno. Yeah. Ron's training that horse, yeah. yeah. So that is great. Uh, yeah, so a couple headed for the Breeders' Cup. Uh, Vince, you know, go ahead and brag. You bet two of Mark's horses last week. They both won. You know, I did, Mark. <laughs> I can't believe I got a, a 10 to 1 and then 11 to 1. And uh, 11 to 1, I didn't even have to break into a sweat. That was uh, that was uh, quite a training feat for you. You And you also doubled the previous day, I believe. So you, you're on wow. quite, quite a little roll down there. Yeah, you got to enjoy it when the, you know, while it'll last. It, uh, it's fun when you get on a hot streak. And I just need the hot streak to, to, to carry on through the, uh, the Breeders' Cup weekend, hopefully. But... You know, horses get spotted up just right. They get, you know, their maidens. Um, you know, they're coming off a layoff. Maybe they had some things bothered them back, and their forms weren't the greatest, and they're coming off of, uh, you know, long layoffs and such. But um, it certainly has been a good run. You even helped get another Washington guy get started on the comeback. Tyler Bays uh, got a win with you last week. Yeah, he rode the maiden uh, cowbred for me. You know, Tyler's had a little bit of a rough time uh, this year and uh, always liked Tyler. He's a very hard worker and always thought enough of his abilities. And um, and we thought the horse was pretty live, even though he wasn't really on the board. He worked the horse. The horse worked well for him. And we gave him an opportunity. And and uh, I don't think he broke a sweat riding that <laughs> one either. But <laughs> uh, hopefully Tyler will get... Uh, himself back and in, in a winning way that's great okay well yeah breeders cup is not all that far away just uh, about a month and a half so uh or what am i talking about it's the middle of october three weeks three weeks away <laughs> all right uh i'll get my bearings going but mark uh, great luck to you down there uh native of auburn doing good and uh continued good luck especially with the breeders cup runners coming up at santa anita and thanks for taking time out to join us today thank you appreciate it thanks mark thank mark glatt okay. joining yeah thanks mark and uh on to more racing two-day week at santa anita this week by the way saturday and sunday they raced monday on the columbus day so no racing uh today friday the 13th but yeah 14th and 15th took a little peek at the cards they both look pretty good, good. pretty interesting yeah Excellent. And, uh, yeah, Breeders' Cup, November 3rd and 4th, just uh, three weeks away. We'll have our next podcast um, that week, either Wednesday or Thursday, depending on some avail availability of some of our principles on travel and all that. Okay. Thanks, Mark Glatt. Uh, sports shorts. Um, uh, you know, we're just getting close to the World Series again. And uh, a couple of these major sports, it's been a long time since a back-to-back -back winner, Vince. And, and you're pretty aware of stuff like that. You can even add the hockey. But in baseball, you know the last back-to-back -back World Series winner? Well, let's see. Um, the, the Giants had that great run, but they but won. They, in, every other year, yeah. 10, 12, and 14, exactly. was it, or something like that? Yeah. Do we got to go all the way back to the Yankees? We do. Yeah. 99 and 2000. They won four times in five years there. That's the last time, 2000. That's 23 years ago. There's been a back-to-back -back World Series champion. And uh, NFL football, is. it's been a long time since a repeat Super Bowl winner as well. Um, shoot. Uh, just, you know, free agency and... 
Yeah. I guess that's a big part of it, but uh, you got to go back to, you want to take a stab at that too? Uh, the Super Bowl? Yeah, last time there was a back-to-back -back Super Bowl Would it be winner. New England? That's right. Very good. Look at Vince Brown. Well, that's a good... Obvious. Yeah, yeah I mean, won. if you're gonna guess, <laughs> 2003 and four. Each game they won by three points. Uh, Carolina one year and uh, the Rams. Jake Delhomme was uh, it? Yeah, Jake Delhomme. Oh, Philly actually. Philly scored a late touchdown. Oh, that was yeah three. That's right. But uh, yeah, 2000. So that's 19 years ago. The last time there was a back-to-back -back Super Bowl winner. Baseball or a basketball. There's been a lot of you know Golden State had started their great run with two titles, 2015 and 16. The Heat won a couple in a row. The Lakers, a couple of times since 2000s, have had back-to-back. Uh, -back. And, of course, the Bulls had two three-peats in the 90s. Um, San Antonio won all those titles with Tim Duncan and David yeah. Robinson was around for a while. But they never won two in a row, which is kind of weird. Well, I'll just add on to your baseball thing here real quick. You know, like the Dodgers, Orioles, and the Braves all won 100 games this year. They went 1-9 and nine in the playoffs. Listen to that. Wow. You know, it's just, it's, you know, yeah. now they're saying it's because the layoff is right. bad. And I don't know. A one-week layoff. But, it, but it, you know, it gets you. I mean, the short sample size, you can get in trouble real fast. But there might be something to it there because those uh, you're just seeing good teams getting crushed okay. in the playoffs. Yeah, so it kind of seems like it. Sport uh, short for you. Okay. Uh, do you know what, what about hockey back to back? Hockey back to back. Why am I drawing a blank on that? Uh, well, the Penguins did it in, uh, I think it was 15 and 16. Oh, okay. Yeah. Pretty recent. Yeah, yeah, under Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. All right. Um, okay, 50 years ago today, you know what that was? Uh Okay. I mean, this is kind of an esoteric one here. October but. of 73, uh, Secretariat was winding down his career for sure. He won uh, the Canadian International. Uh, was his last race. Uh, well, let's see. The World Series that year was... Uh, that would have been Oakland mm -hmm. over... Uh, the Mets. Okay, that's right, the Mets. Then they beat the Dodgers the next year. That's right, yeah. Okay, that's my best guess. Well, yeah, but it was, uh, like I said, this is kind of esoteric, but it was the first Sonics home game under head coach oh. Bill Russell. Okay. <laughs> and we lived through the Bill Russell years here in Seattle, and uh, Seattle beat, not the Washington, not the Baltimore, they were the Capitol Bullets that year. Do you remember that? I sure do. And the Sonics beat them 103 to 102 in front of 11,673 in the Seattle Coliseum, now Climate Pledge Arena. Spencer Haywood led the Sonics with 24, and the Big E had 27. The Big E was there by then. Okay. Yeah, he had 27 for the Bullets. Uh, Big E wasn't afraid to shoot the ball, Joe, as I <laughs> mentioned many times. Great player, of course. Oh, yeah, he was 9 for 39 one game. I, I, I can top that. I went to a game where he was 8 for 40, an oh overtime game gosh. against the Sonics. And uh, he, 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 he had a lot of confidence. Let's catch the ball, and he'd shoot a fallaway jumper. Yeah. He'd be gone in you a half a second. You remember that commercial he used to do? Watch that rhythm, watch that rhythm. He'd backing in on the kid um but anyhow yeah great player and in fact the sonics and bullets later in that decade would have you know they'd meet in two finals yeah. and uh, they'd split the sonics winning in 79 the bullets in 78 but yeah the bill russell era in seattle an interesting uh, little time in seattle sports there oh gosh you know the ten tenants had started to pick up a whole lot before that they did you know? even uh wonder yeah. player coach lenny wilkins yeah. they were they were a good draw yeah and then russell didn't hurt that at all and 
He was the first You guy. know, and Bill Russell, you know, to give him his due a little bit as a coach, um, he got those Sonics playing pretty hard. Uh, you know, uh, they did get make their first ever playoffs under Russell the next year. I think it was 74-75, and then in 75-76. They made the playoffs and got bounced by Phoenix, who ended up being pretty good. They took the Celtics to six or seven games in the finals. So Yeah, that's right. I think it was six games that year. But uh, Bill Russell era. Yeah, that was a big time in Seattle basketball. The Sonics were just five, six years old, but uh, really on an upswing. Okay, uh, selections. I don't have anything for this weekend. I was too busy putting together the rest of this show, and I didn't do any handicapping for the weekend myself. I got one. I got okay. Okay. Uh, Sunday race ten at Santa Anita. Um, it's a maiden special weight number seven. Ario A R I O. Seeing how the lame starts with an A. Do you want to guess who the owner is? A R I O. No, I can't. Redicop. All their horses oh, start oh. with A's. Well, so, yeah. uh, anyhow, uh, this horse is stretching out after two sprints in 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 uh, maiden special weight and should be on the lead early under Diego Herrera for trainer Peter Miller. $150,000 Bolt Doro Colt out of a stormy Atlantic mare. The other four foals out of the dam are all winners. Mm, I like so, that. So this horse probably be in front early and is going to be a big price with decent connections. So we'll take a shot on Aereo. Okay. And what was that morning line? 12. 12 to 1. Outstanding. Uh, for football, maybe uh, I think the Chargers will beat the Cowboys on Monday night. Chargers are home. And they don't always have a, they don't have a great home advantage, but Dallas's last two road games. Disastrous. Wow. Arizona whipped them. And then, of course, San Francisco and the Chargers are getting Austin Eckler back, which is good for our fantasy team. Sure is. Yeah. All right. What's the line on that one? I think Dallas is a two or two and a half point favorite right around there. On the road? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last week's trivia question or last uh, show was uh, Bud Clockstad, who his last full season here at Emerald Downs was like 07 or 08. Then he left for the Bay Area, but he was uh, right at the top of stakes wins in track history. He was at the top. He was yeah. at the top when he left. Um, was passed, you know, he wasn't here, but uh, he had Jumron one, won seven stakes, and that was at ages two and three. I Am Busy was a three-time stake winner. Bub won three stakes one year. Uh, Ropers and Wranglers, well, she won nine stakes. She was 10 for 12 at Emerald Downs, and the only Washington bred to be in the Hall of Fame here that, or excuse me, the only non-Washington bred to be in the Hall of Fame. She won 10 of 12 starts in Emerald Downs history, nine stakes. But Bud Clockstead only won one Washington Cup stake race. And that was, of course, because all those aforementioned horses raced before the Washington Cup began in 2003. Russ Nakagawa got it. Russ, you got some swag coming. I'm going to have to shoot you an email as soon as my email gets working again. Uh-huh. Cinderella Liberty won the 2005 Washington Cup Juvenile Phillies race. She won a couple of stakes that year, but wasn't the top ju juvenile filly at the meet because Chestnut Lady won the Shinpo, and uh, Cinderella Liberty was way back in that race. Chestnut Lady was the top juvenile filly for trainer Jim Penny, and the next day, School and You won the Lads, and he was the top two-year-old colt at the meeting for Jim Penny. Actually, Mike Fearborn owned both of those horses as well. 
Chestnut Lady was 11 to 1. School on You was 9 to 1. That was a good weekend for that camp. Um, but the answer was Cinderella Liberty and Russ Nakagawa got it. Our question for this show, who has the best record of horses who ran in each of the Gottstein Futurity, the local derby, be it Long Acres or Emerald Downs, and the mile? So you had to have run in all three of those races in your career. And this is going back to 1940, which was the first year of the Washington Futurity, which was renamed the Gottstein when Joe Gottstein did pass away in 1970. So who had the best record? And by the phrasing of that question, you can tell that probably that nobody won all three. But who had the best record? And they ran in the Gottstein Derby and Mile. Okay. Well, Emerald Downs is open seven days a week for full card simulcasting. There's dancing at the Downs on Saturday. Saturday night after simulcasting, and that is October 14th, tomorrow. So take advantage of that. You can get tickets online or at the door. And we'll have another uh, podcast, Breeders' Cup Week. Thanks for listening to Horse Racing Northwest.